Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Okay, Philippians chapter 3. Last week we looked at Philippians 3, verse 3 through 5, and it says this, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Verse 4 said this, Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. This is what we saw last week. We saw that true circumcision is those who are born again, the true circumcision. Now, there's a lot of teaching that's gone on today concerning Jews and, the, and what's going on in the Middle East, different things like that, and even Jewish custom in the church. But the reality is even Jews under the Old Covenant were not Jews truly unless they believed. In other words, there is a nationality, there is a race called the Jews, but, but Abraham was the first Jew, not because he was born that way, but because he believed. Amen. All right? So people will say, well, I can trace my lineage back to the Jews. Big deal. It doesn't matter. What matters is if you receive Christ or not, and circumcision is of the heart. Okay, now people get upset about that. Well, they're God's chosen people. And they also rebelled. (laughs) And that's how you and I got in. Now, are you saying God doesn't love them? No, no, no. We read that today in our reading, if if you're reading along with us in our Bible reading. We know that they can still be grafted back in, but they have to believe. They have to believe in the Messiah. They don't get a pass because they're Jews. Jesus is a Jew. Come on. And he's their Messiah, okay? So, so don't get caught up in fleshy things, all right? And this is the argument Paul's making in these things. He says this, he said, we, or we saw this, we saw that circumcision takes place in the heart and not in the flesh. We also saw, that, saw this, we're to worship God in, in the spirit. And it literally should read, this verse should literally read this way, who worship God by, or worship by the spirit of God. That's what it should say in the Greek, or it says in the Greek, and it's how it really should be translated. In other words, um, it, in the previous way of saying it, which worship God in the spirit, it sounds a little bit uh, uh, like, like it's something we're doing in the sense of we come up with it. Like I got to work up some sort of spiritual worship. But in all reality, it should say who worship by the spirit of God. So in other words, you have the ability of God within you to worship the, the creator. Because you've received the Spirit, okay? Now, you're going to get, you got to stay with me here and just don't let go yet because uh, uh, you're going to see something here that's going to really help you. This is the function of our priesthood in the world. We offer spiritual service to the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our faith rests in His grace for our eternity and in our good works here on earth. In other words, we're not doing good works to earn. Our faith rests in His grace to do good works. Okay, this is something else that we saw. We are to put no confidence in the flesh. We do not work in the new covenant to earn, but rather we work in the new covenant because Christ has given us the the ability to do so. Amen. So say this with me, because you need to think this way. I'm not earning my salvation. You can do, 
you literally can do nothing to earn your salvation. Nothing. You don't have the capability. When, when God, when we came to Jesus, you realize we were doomed. And he did not say, if you come and do this, this, and this, then I'll do this, this, and this, and you'll be saved. But you have to, you know, forgive your mom <laughs> for what she did to you. <laughs> for, forgive your, you know, all these things. We think, well, I got to do all this. No, no, no. You need to believe in what Jesus did and receive it by faith, which in actuality is harder than people realize especially the older you get, and I get. Because it is the nature of the flesh to want to earn. It is. It's the nature of the flesh. So it takes faith to yield. Okay, so we put no confidence in the flesh. We do not work in the new covenant to earn, but rather we work in the new covenant because Christ has given us the ability to do so. We saw that there is no benefit to try and keep the law under the new covenant in terms of salvation. Paul argues from his accomplishments against, against law and for grace, pointing out that there will always be somebody who is naturally better. In addition, even if you did keep the law perfectly, your outward actions were all, and your outward actions were all perfect, it cannot change your heart. Does that make sense? It cannot change your heart. Even if you did everything perfectly in the natural, it will never change your spirit. It'll never change your inner man. Uh, you have to have, you have to yield yourself completely to the Lord and to his grace. Amen? All right, so let's go to verse number six. And this is where we'll begin. Verse number six. Remember, Paul is arguing against these legalists who he called dog preachers. That the, what they're asking the Philippians to get involved with, he said, look, there's no point. I've already walked through it all. It doesn't work. And, I, and in all actuality, I'm better than at what they're doing. I was better at what they're doing than they are right now. And he argued this whole point all the way down. I was circumcised on the eighth day. You know, he went through this whole thing. Do you know that after you're saved, when I was saved, I was uh, 19 years old. But how many were older than that when you were born again? All right, you were older than that. So how in the world are you going to get circumcised on the eighth day? <laughs> It doesn't make sense. It's an earning way, and it doesn't work because grace is different. Grace is opposite of works. And it really, and I'm just going to say this, and you'll figure it out as you read the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm just going to say this to mess with your head. Everybody that has been saved from the old to the new, it was by grace through faith. Nobody has ever been saved by the law. Because even under the law, the sacrifices remained, which said grace, grace, grace. Okay? So just keep that in mind because a lot of times people, they'll get into studying Jewish custom and it's a big deal. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with studying the history. As long as you realize it's types and shadows. As long as you realize that this is, that, that, they, that everything was pointing to the Lamb of God. People say, well, I got, you know, I got a prayer shawl and all that. Fine, but it doesn't make God hear you more than me. And I don't have one. I talk with God everywhere. I don't need to cover my head. Come on. 
All right? This is, this is a big deal because people do. They get religious in their mindset. And religiosity stops the power of God. It stops the grace of God. And it's not because it's more powerful than the grace of God. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's because we end up unintentionally many times shutting the door. God never loses power. You understand that? You know, people sometimes, you know, we, we looked at this uh, a while back about Jesus going to his own hometown and he couldn't do a mighty work there. It, it, they didn't diminish God's power. They diminished its accessibility to them. The power of the Lord can be present to heal. All the religious people can be standing there, and it takes some crazy people with four friends and one crazy crippled guy whose legs weren't working to rip open a roof and drop him in there. But the power of God was there to heal who? Everybody, Pharisees, Sadducees. didn't matter who it was. Why? That's what grace does. Grace does that. Grace is available. Well, you don't know what I've done. Again, you're not that important. <laughs> okay? It's by grace through faith. People say, I've been coming to church, and they tell me I shouldn't do this and shouldn't do this and shouldn't do this. The reality is, the reason why you shouldn't is if you're born again, it's not who you are. It has nothing to do with, well, I won't, you know, I'm a little head in my... And this is going to come back up in the notes, you know, but I won't uh, drink, cuss, or chew, or go with girls that do. <laughs> I've heard that. You know, if, you're, if a girl is chewing, anyway. Anyway, so, <laughs> you don't want to go with that girl anyway? Yeah, or a guy, yeah. Those things, not doing those things won't save you. Now, I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying it's not going to save you. By grace, through faith. By grace, through faith. So Paul here, in verse 6, is still making this argument. You think you're going to do these things to get saved, but let me show you what I've done. And he's arguing from the other side of, look, these guys are coming through. They're talking about their fancy things that they have in the Old Testament customs and, and circumcision and keeping the law and feast days and all of these things. And all these things are still a big deal today, okay? But Jesus is the fulfillment of all of them. He is the fulfillment of every feast. He is. I don't know where we lost this. And I'm not against looking at Jewish calendars and different things. I don't care about any of that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with looking at those things because God still, you know, how many know his word is eternal in that sense? There are things there. But realize this was all to point to Christ, the Messiah. It was about the Savior and Christ uh, arriving. And so... When you look at these things, Paul's saying, look, I know they have all these things, but he, listen, he says this, I tried it all, and then I met Jesus. And he said, there's only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus. He's the all in all. He's everything. Thank God, amen? But he says this in verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, What? blameless and yet he still wrote Romans that all men are under sin and yet he was blameless concerning the law it's a powerful statement 
So let's take the first one concerning zeal and persecuting the church. Let's put those two together. Of all the persecutors the early church had faced, Paul, or Saul, was the greatest. Interestingly, after Paul's conversion, he was not persecuted by his former comrades, the Jews who had helped him kill and imprison believers. Rather, he was being persecuted by a different group, men who could not even hold a candle to Paul and his crew. Paul was a slaughterer. The scripture says he was breathing out what? Murders, slaughters. Paul was a machine. He was on a mission. He was, he was full of zeal for God with no knowledge. Little, little, I mean, he had a lot of knowledge, but no true knowledge of, of the Messiah and who Christ is. He, he didn't have, I mean, he was, he was determined And we looked at this last week. The Pharisees actually believed that once the law was established in the earth, then the Messiah would come. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Not realizing their own condition. Sounds familiar today. When it came to the ability to persecute, the commentator said this, these dogs were not even close to Paul. So he's making the argument, all right? If I have to, if keeping the law and annihilating the church is what's necessary for me to be saved, I did it. I accomplished it. In fact, I really do believe it was either get saved or die when Jesus appeared to Paul or to Saul. This is your chance. What do you want to do? I mean, I'm not saying he came with a sword necessarily straight out, but he, you know, Jesus was probably packing. <laughs> you know, we're going to settle this deal. All right, second part of this verse, touching the righteousness, now watch this, self-righteousness, which is in the law, blameless, self-righteousness. Paul was a much better law keeper than all of the men who are after him. When it came to the ability to brag in the natural, Paul was far ahead of anyone who came from the nation of Israel. Outward righteousness, the kind which can be easily, Uh, be seen by all, was far more advanced in Paul's life than anyone else's. At one time, he was a celebrity among the Jews. Did you know that? He was known. He was one of their, their top guys. Like, this guy has a future. And he was well known. And yet, he's using this argument against that whole way of doing things. Why? Because he knows where it ends up. He knows what ends up being the end result of everything. It ends up being no righteousness, no salvation. Amen? Let's move on to verse 7. Paul continues his argument against these dogs in verse 7. He continues down the path of truth that human goodwill will never save you because you cannot be good enough. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for what? Christ. So what do we see here? Paul's credentials mentioned in verse 5 and 6 were important to him at one time. Many in the nation of Israel sought all these things. But what the flesh counted as important, Paul now counts as nothing compared to the benefits of the new birth and and the spiritual maturity he has found in Jesus Christ. The word of God and its application are now the most important thing in Paul's life. There is nothing in this life 
that can or should compare with, the fellow, uh, with fellowship with God. If our relationship with God is dry and aloof, it means we are not walking in it correctly or we do not have a proper understanding of it. Amen. Paul made this statement in verse 7 again. What things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for what? Christ. So let's break this down. What does it mean that he counted them loss? It's, it, it, the word counted has to do with calculated, and loss is damage. Um, and when he says for Christ, it means, in other words, fellowship with him. So everything that I accomplished in my own work is now, uh, 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 it is a detriment to fellowship with Christ. Does that make sense? So everything that was gain, gain, the word gain in the previous phrase was in the plural. Now the word loss is in the singular. Paul listed seven credentials prior to this, okay? Hebrew of Hebrews, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, Pharisee, all these things. He, he listed these things, right? Paul's credentials were called gains, but now he calls them, all of them, one big loss. So he wraps them all up into a bag and goes, I'm done with these. Lord, look what I've done. <laughs> and the Lord's in heaven going, ooh, you're amazing. Who created you? <laughs> One big loss. The language here is very similar to a bookkeeper's ledger in which the accountant would erase the gains or credit and write the term loss or debit over the top. Okay? Everything that Paul did to gain salvation amounted to nothing. There were all, they were all one big loss. Paul is pleading with the Philippians not to go down the road of these dog teachers that he has already been down to no avail in salvation and spirituality. You know, if the enemy can't get you from getting saved, he'll certainly try to get you confused once you are. Make you ineffective. That's why you need to know the word. Because if you don't know the word, you're toast. The enemy will take you out. You need the, we need the word. The word is so valuable. When we truly yield our lives to the gospel, we can take the whole list of accomplishments that we had prior and conclude that they are all lost compared to knowing Christ. Listen to this. One revelation from the word of God is worth the loss of every earthly possession. There is no comparison. And people that don't know that, they haven't had one yet. When you've had an encounter with God, you won't care about anything else. You won't. It, it changes everything. We've been, uh, my wife and I and the kids have been watching The Cho uh, Chosen. Is, it, is that what it's called? And uh, there's some really good uh, uh, stuff in there. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of good stuff. But there's different parts, and I was talking to Michael before the service about one particular part, and uh, they were headed, Jesus and his crew was headed to Samaria. And uh, they were, you know, uh, Matthew, if you, if you watch the show, Matthew is the most interesting dude. So far, my kids are most intrigued by him. So <laughs> he is one odd duck, that's all I got to say. They do a good job of, it's like... Uh, 
Rain Man. I mean, it's like literally, I, just you have to see it and see. But, but it's, it's really cool because it shows you the different people that God doesn't care. He's looking for faith. That's what's cool about it. I'm like, man, this is awesome. You know, Peter will stab you and gut you, and he won't even think about it twice. While his brother Andrew's like, no, 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 don't do that. Oh, man, what'd you do that for? <laughs> anyway, okay, so I got off. But it's cool to watch. And anyway, so uh, Jesus, Jesus said, we're going to go this way, a particular way, way, way that wasn't on the map. And Peter said, you know, master, he said, teacher, he said, he said that's not safe. And Jesus looked at him and said, did you join me to be safe? Yeah. And that's not even a, I mean, it's a scripture, but you know, it's not even a quote. But I heard that and I went, oh my goodness. But we think, sometimes we think in our Americanized version of the gospel that this is about safety. And it's not. <laughs> Amen? One revelation of Jesus is worth the loss of everything. It's interesting because they follow Matthew, uh, his family, and uh, Gaius, the guy that was uh, the Roman that worked with him to collect taxes. Of course, Matthew was totally despised by the Jews because he's a tax collector for the Romans, but he was very rich. Um, they follow, he gave up everything. They give uh, the key to his house to his parents, to Matthew's parents, and Gaius says, sell it. Yeah, burn it down. Yeah, he says, sell it, burn it down. You know, these things. And it's interesting because then later he goes, no, don't burn it down. <laughs> but he says, sell it, take the money. In other words, Matthew left. He was rich, rich in that day. I mean, his front door locked. I know we think, all right, anyway, I'm not going to even go there. But one revelation, he got a revelation of Jesus, and he went, I don't care about anything else. I'm leaving it. When they did the miracle where Peter, uh, you know, they, Jesus uses Peter's boat, they get all those fish show up, right? And they showed it so well. I mean, the brothers of the, the, Zebedee, the Zebedee boys and their dad are standing there and he says, come and follow me. And they look at their dad and he goes, what are you looking at me for? Go. That's faith. That's faith. That's not earning it, that's receiving it. I love it. God didn't come to call the righteous. <laughs> Verse 8, yet indeed I count all these things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all, thing and, all things and count them as what? Rubbish, that I may gain Christ. The first part of this, and we see in this verse, is this, this phrase, yet doubtless, and I count them I count all things. All things is a reference to anything Paul had before he was saved on the road to Damascus. Anything which came through human achievement or religious zeal will all be counted loss and even dung by the end of this verse. The second part of the verse says to be lost for the excellency, to be lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. The many areas of Paul's human celebrity status are all one in one category, loss when compared to the knowledge of Christ found in the Word. As great as all of man's accomplishments are, they are nothing when compared with one revelation found in the Word of God. This is a great point for us to check up on our lives. What are we more impressed with? 
If this life carries a stronger desire for us than Jesus Christ, then true revelation has not been experienced yet. I'll say it again. If this life carries a stronger desire for us than Jesus Christ, then revelation has not been experienced yet. Not as it should. Not as it should. For this, the third part of this verse states this, For whom I have suffered the loss or forfeited all things. Paul has made the cho- a choice to forfeit all things for the sake of Jesus Christ. He is in no way filled with bitterness or remorse about what he has given up. This is the test for where we are when it comes to our commitment to Christ. When we are in a situation where we have to choose between Christ and something else, what do we choose and are we remorseful in following Christ? Then you know where your heart is. People do this. I've had people tell me this. Well, I was going to come to church Sunday, but, you know, I was tired. You were tired? I know, not a lot of amens on that one. You get a few laughs, you know, but. <laughs> not that. You were tired? And I'm not here to guilt you. I'm just saying this. What was more important? Can I ask you a question? Do you think if you honor God, even though you're tired, that he'll leave you tired? There is no way he will not. I've had people tell me, well, you know, the weekends are our time to really get out into nature. And that's where we interact with God. And these things are okay every once in a while. You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about people that do this every single, you know. Their whole life is theirs. That's the problem. But yet they'll come and go, pray for me. I'm in a mess now. Can you just woo wave the wand and make it go away? No, I can slap you. That's what I feel like doing. (laughs) I mean... You're telling me you have not been putting the word in you for years and you've been saved 15 years longer than me? And you don't take the time because you would rather do your hobby? I don't... Faith doesn't come by hobbying. (laughs) It comes by hearing. And you have to take time. People say, well, you're taking away my hobbies. You probably need them taken away. I don't know about you, but the Lord has taken things away from me. He has, he has, he has taken the, the tremors to me through the years, repeatedly. You can't do that anymore. But Lord! And he says, don't but Lord me. <laughs> it's like your mom, you know. All right. That's right. The last part of this, what does he do? He concludes and counts them, all these things, as dung. I love this word in the Greek, skubalon. That sounds like dung, doesn't it? It's, it's skubalon, S-K-U-B-A-L-O-N, skubalon. I'm just making up the, how you say it. I don't actually know how. I'm sure there's a right way. And it means dog castings. It means dog castings. So what does he say? I I count all this stuff just junk. 
Come on, religious accomplishments. Accolades of religious leaders. <laughs> Dung. You know, I was listening to a, a teaching one time by Jerry Savelle. And he was in Wyoming. I think it was Wyoming. And he was believing God for an airplane for his ministry. And that, things hadn't really moved money-wise, you know. He had just nothing was really happening. And he was preaching in some place, I believe it was in Wyoming, and the, the guy that brought him in actually cleared out an old uh, laundromat, and I think he was preaching from uh, like an old dryer or washer. That was the pulpit. And so they were ministering, and he said this guy came in in overalls, and I, you know, my mind is no shoes, no socks, just overalls, no shirt. I don't know if that was actually true. But he walked in and interrupted the whole service. He's like, what are you doing, you know? And he said, he said my name's so-and-so, and he was not educated well at all, okay? He's, you could tell his, by his language, everything. He said, I was driving my tractor, and God told me to come to you. And he said, I never get off my tractor unless God tells me to. You know, he's going through this whole thing. Jerry Savelle's standing there going, hurry up and get to the point. And right then, he said, God told me to give you this. And I think he had a coffee can or something and put a, a full of money on the, on the washer or whatever he was preaching off of. And he said, this is for your airplane. My point is this. You could be the Pharisee of Pharisees and be outwitted by the dude on the tractor who won't get off unless God tells him to. You don't need a degree to know God. You need faith. And I am not against education. You guys know that. But I'm telling you, all that stuff, if it's human-driven, it's scubalon. Poop. <laughs> okay? That's Greek for poop. You learn something. All right. <laughs> Last part of the verse, he says this, that in order that I may what? Win or gain Christ. Gaining Christ is not a reference to salvation, but to full maturity. This is the same concept found in 1 Timothy 6, 12 and 19, laying hold of eternal life. And 2 Peter 1, 4, be partakers of the divine nature. These statements in Scripture do not describe an earning from God, but rather a living from what you have already received in the new birth. This is the same as saying, by grace, through faith. Our responsibility and what Holy Spirit is telling us through Paul here is that we are to live from the resource of the grace of the resurrection within us by the hand or operation of faith. Why can I live totally fear-free? Because I'm graced to do it. <laughs> ah, with man it is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. I'm not counting on me to get me to where I need to be. I'm count, I will keep my will in line with the Lord, but I'm counting on His power working in me to accomplish His will. Yes. Whew. Right? Obviously, most believers today will not point to what Paul did for religious accomplishments in regards to earning righteousness. Today, it might, it might sound like this. I pray so many hours a day or week. 
I attend church this many times a week. I give money to charity and to the church. I have prayed for this many people to be healed. I have led this many people to the Lord. I never cuss. (laughs) I don't drink, smoke, or chew or go with girls that do. I knew that was coming out again. In and of themselves, there is really nothing wrong with the religious things mentioned unless they are being declared as a means of obtaining righteousness. Righteousness with God can only be obtained by grace through faith. The reality concerning our covenant of grace is that these statements can be made from a place or from grace or uh, from works. The reality is that because we have a new nature... It is our desire to pray, fellowship with God for hours a week, attend church multiple times a week, give financially, pray for the sick, be a witness, and live a holy life. The next few verses, which we're not going to go into, will begin to show us the operation of grace by faith. When it comes to good works, it all boils down to motivation. Are we motivated from the leading of the Holy Spirit within us, or are we motivated to look good in front of our fellow believers, hoping God will see and reward us for our good works? You're not being rewarded for your good works. You're not. You're not being rewarded for your good. In other words, I'm not going, okay, God, I opened the door for the elderly. God's like, oh. Check. (laughs) If the motivation is me doing it to earn. See, this is people go like, well, I don't really feel like living holy. It's because you don't know who's in you. You don't know who you are. If you know who you are, you won't mix unholy and holy. You're created to live right. You don't live right in order to be made right. You were made right, and so you live right. People will do this. You, you can... <laughs> There's so much religion taught in this, and I thank God that I didn't know it. I'm so glad I did not learn this religious thinking. And I mean, I'm not saying I don't have to deal with my flesh and, and earning and, and watching motivations. That's not what I'm saying. But I, do, I, I have done the dumbest sinful things at times after I got saved. And I have never thought I couldn't talk to God. Never. It never even, I, I, I just go, God, you, that was dumb, wasn't it? <laughs> and I just go right back to him. And it is what has helped me stay steady. One of the main things. Because I, I guess I just... The revelation of grace that way just came when I was born again because I knew who I was. Ooh. Mike said it this way on Sunday, Pastor Mike, in leadership. He said, we must learn to live our lives for the one who created us and not the people around us. When he said that, I went, I'm writing it down. I don't even know if he knows he said it. Because sometimes you just get in the flow and you don't even know what's coming out. I don't know if he has it written down or not. But I wrote it down. I'm like, yes. What's my motivation? 
Do I, do I pray and preach and do what I do because I want you to be impressed with me? If I do, it's wrong, and I'm earning nothing. As me and Michael were talking about before service, it's wood, hay, and stubble. But if I do it from grace, and people sometimes, you know, they'll overthink it. They're like, am I doing it from grace or not? You know, <laughs> don't go down that route. Do you know your heart? You're telling me your flesh is motivating you to give money that you were going to use for coffee to somebody that you don't know. Yeah, anybody ever heard that uh, testimony by Joyce Meyer about the Jesus pin? Y'all know who Joyce Meyer is, right? Okay, she's kind of famous. I mean, well known. She was a uh, getting. Her, she was at the hairdresser, I guess, and she was getting her hair done, and the Lord told her to give her. Uh, it was like a, I don't know if it was diamond or not, but like that Jesus pin to the lady that was cutting her hair. And the Lord said to her, she said, he said, Joyce, give her the pin and tell her that she can wear it. And then when she's leaning around people and doing their hair and stuff, they'll see that pin and they'll think of me and they'll, it'll be a ministry opportunity. The Lord told her to do that. And Joyce was like, oh, this is phenomenal. How many ever got a revelation from God and you're like, oh my, there's no way I thought of that. I do that a lot. <laughs> There's no way I thought of that. Okay. And, and, you're, and she, so she's like, this is wonderful. And so she, uh, the Lord told her, the Lord instructed her to do this, but he instructed her to do it privately. But she chose not to. She got in her flesh and did it in front of everybody. And all the ladies, all you know, everybody, oh, that is amazing. You know, and she's like, oh, I know, you know. She gets outside the door of the salon, and the Lord said, did you enjoy that? And she said, huh? He said, because that's all the reward you're getting, the praise of men. Do it in secret and let God honor you. Come on, how many have read the honor scriptures about God? I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, Lord, I don't care if anybody sees me. I want, I want this from you. And so I'm going to let everything else go, and you do it your way. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.